Good morning. Welcome to this uh, church called Trace. What you all need to know is that this is a place where we embrace the tension between truth and grace in hopes to leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. Mic drop there. I made my case. All right. So, <laughs> guys, my name is Corey. Yeah. All right. My name is Corey, and uh, I'm one of the teaching pastors here. I'm also a next-generation pastor, hence the rhymes, which I promise I will not do again in this service, okay? Uh, but so glad to have you guys here with us. Uh, just a, a quick shout-out to, uh, to not only our next-generation focus, but those of you all that have stepped up uh, to be a part of this and help out with this. Um, a lot of you all donated uh, gifts and, and items to our garage sale this past weekend, and so uh, we labored on Friday night getting everything ready, sold a bunch of stuff on Saturday, and some of you have been asking about the results, uh, we, we raised $1,998.21, all right? So if, if any of you guys have a dollar and 79 cents, it would be really good for my psyche, all right, to maybe hit that $2,000 mark. So thank you for doing that. Uh, we, we, our goal is a little over $3,000 to make sure all of our kids get to camp uh, for a reasonable price. So if, if any of you all want to make a, a cash donation of that, we've got a, a little watering container at the cafe. You can do that afterwards. So thank you again for doing that. Uh, again, my name is Corey, and we're going to continue on in our series today. It's, the series that we've been in is this, this concept called RE. And we've been looking back and looking at some topics a little bit uh, in depth. And today, the topic we're going to cover is the concept of rebuild. Okay, rebuild. We got any builders out there? Anybody like building something, refurbishing things? All right, we got a few of you out there. Uh, well, I don't know if, if uh, you've seen this phenomenon, but I, I have. It seems like everywhere you turn around, every station you turn on, there's some kind of new home improvement renovation show going on, right? And, and if you all have seen any of these things, uh, what happens is uh, you know, a couple people or a group of people, they, they get together and they, they walk the house and they start to surmise and figure out uh, and assess uh, the damage, right? And what, what can we do to be able to flip this house, to be able to make some money and make this awesome? And so they take a look at things like, you know, how can I uh, like retouch the paint or maybe uh, redo a fixture or even refurbish a piece? And, and those things are, are fairly easy and simple to accomplish. Uh, but every once in a while, they'll get into a house and, and they'll notice a structural issue, a, a foundational issue. And at, at that point, that's a game changer for them because they, they have to evaluate is, is this house, is it worth the cost, the time, the effort, the money in order to be able to address that foundational issue? Because it has to be addressed before everything else. You have to deconstruct before you can rebuild. And so we're actually going to talk about uh, this rebuilding process today. And it, and it shouldn't surprise you, but Jesus actually has something to say about this. And the reason why it shouldn't surprise you is because Jesus' trade was, was carpentry, okay? He, he knows a thing or two about buildings. And so uh, he, he has a building illustration that we're going to get to. And so if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Matthew chapter 7. Uh, we're going to start in verse 42. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. Turn them on. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you here today, uh, every week uh, we have them out in guest services. If you'd like to grab one there, it's yours. Uh, you can also download an app called Version. That way you have it all the time, everywhere you go uh, and, and be able to have it. Because we, we just believe it's important to look at the words of Jesus. And that's what we're going to do here. Right here. Uh, we, we're actually going to look at the words of Jesus recorded by a guy named Matthew. Now, Matthew, just so you all know, is just, he was a guy that Jesus came to and, and he said, hey, do you want to hang out with me during this, this ministry that I have on earth? And so Matthew left his good paying and unpopular job of being a tax collector to follow Jesus around. And, and he hung out with him and he observed him, he listened to him, and he recorded some of the things that Jesus said. Here in chapter 7, we're actually going to take a look at the concluding statements that Jesus makes to his, what we call now, the Sermon on the Mount. 
You see, what happened was uh, Jesus uh, starts to see this crowd gathering around him, and he, he begins just to start sharing all the wealth of knowledge that he has. And, and like any good communicator knows, it's so important to be able to have a, a, a good start and to finish strong. Both of those things are very, very important. And so he starts off with what we call the Beatitudes, these identification statements. And so he starts strong. And he says, blessed are the, the poor in spirit, and blessed are the, the meek, and, and blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who are persecuted. What he does is he's identifying with these people. He's, he's giving them a hook to make them want more. And then he goes on to speak of everything from, from loving your enemy to taking care of the poor. And he ta- tackles some, some big ticket items like divorce and fasting and prayer. And, and, and then, then he gets to the very end of this. And he knows that he's got to wrap it up. And, and again, as a good communicator, no, you have to have a strong finish because that's going to be the very last thing that you're leaving with. It's going to be the very last impression that somebody has. It might be the only thing that they actually remember of what you shared. And so he goes on to talk about this. We're going to look at it in verse uh, 24. These are the very last words of this particular message that he gives. So uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew. And beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now I realize uh, for some of you, this is the very first time that you've heard these words of Jesus. Uh, Now, for the rest of you that have heard these before, uh, can I ask that you would hear them afresh with me this morning? Because there might be something that you catch this time that you've never caught before. I know that's the case uh, in my reading of it this this time. And so, so let's break this passage down a little bit. The first thing that we see is that Jesus compares two different people. Who are the two different people that he compares? The wise man and the... Foolish man, right? And I, I don't know if this kind of stuff interests you, but it interests me. The, the Greek word that's used for foolish here is the word moros, which is where we get our in English translation of moron, all right? So Jesus is comparing the wise guy to the moron. <laughs> that just helps me. I don't understand why, but it just does. I like it, okay? Now, here's the deal. Jesus is not the only one that puts these two guys in different camps. Uh, we see this all throughout Scripture, the wise and the foolish, uh, probably no more uh, pertinent than in the, the Proverbs. You see this comparison uh, quite a bit. Matter of fact, there's a, there's a proverb that Aaron has been sharing with me lately. It's Proverbs 17, 28, and he, says, he's, he told me this. He said, even the fool is thought wise when he keeps his mouth shut. Now, I don't know what Aaron's trying to communicate to me, but that's the, <laughs> the thing he's been sharing with me. All right, but so Jesus, he takes this whole concept, this foolish and the wise, something that the people would have been very familiar with because of their previous readings. Uh, and, and he says th- there are two different types of guys. So let's, let's look at the distinctions between the wise and the fool here, okay? I think they're up on the screen. Yes, very good. All right, wise on this side, fool on this side. By the way, the arrow points to the wise. I don't know if you saw that, but that's like really cool. Okay, all right, so um, here's the first thing that you see as Jesus is talking about these guys. Uh, he makes this statement to both the wise guy and the foolish guy. And this is what he says. Anyone who hears these words of mine. That's a statement made to both people, made about both people. What that leads me to conclude is this, that these guys were actually classmates together. You see, the instruction and the instructor were the same. 
We're not talking about uh, two guys, one of them who actually wants to hear from Jesus and the other one who doesn't want to hear from, from Jesus. He's not a religious guy. No, these guys are just like you, sitting in here, showing up, wanting to hear from Jesus, okay? So no distinction between the wise and the fool there. You have the same instruction, okay? The second thing that stands out to me is, is that both of them had the same mission in mind. They had the same vision, the same dream, the same aspiration. We, we know that because both of them desire to build a house, and both of them accomplished that, right? They had the same plan. Now, I don't know if it was the same floor plan or not, okay, but it was the same plan. So no, no distinction there between the wise and the fool. The other thing that, uh, that you notice is that they actually lived in the same neighborhood. You want to know how that I know that they lived in the same neighborhood? Because they endured the same exact storm. I don't know if you caught that in, in, the, in the way that Jesus was telling this, but it was the same exact thing that the wise guy experienced that the fool experienced. The rains came down, the streams rose, the winds blew. Okay, The storm was the same. They were hit by the same elements. No distinction there. Okay, So up to this point, no distinction between the wise and the foolish. Same instructor, same plan, same storm. So what's the distinction? What's the difference? And this is what Jesus says. He says, one of them built a foundation on the rock, and one of them built a foundation on the sand. Okay, now that's the illustration, but what does that mean? What is he communicating? This is what he says about the foundation on the rock, okay? He says, those people actually heard what I said and put it into practice, okay? Those people that build the, hand, uh, the house on the sand, that guy, he heard what I said, but he didn't put it into practice, you see, the simple distinction between these two is action. It, it's motion. It is movement. It is response. One guy actually did what he heard, and the other guy did not. Okay, that is the plain distinction. The only difference between one being wise and one being foolish is where they built their house and ultimately the end result. One stood the test, and one comes to destruction. Guys, both heard Jesus but only one decided to put into practice the things that he heard. Now, wisdom is spoken of oftentimes in Scripture. It's something that we seek in our everyday life, whether you actually use that word or not. But, but wisdom in Scripture is simply this. It's the ability to take divine truth and apply it to our life. That's it. That, that is what wisdom is. There's a, there's a guy named Henry Cloud, and, and he wrote a book called Necessary Endings, and he describes this concept between wise and foolish uh, by using two postures. And, and these are the postures. He says there, are, there are, is a type of person who leans in to a conversation, and there's a type of person who leans away from the conversation. Now, those postures look radically different, and they actually signify something different. See, a person who leans away, oftentimes their arms are crossed, they're defensive in nature, they're not really wanting to change. They're willing to listen, but they're leaning away from the conversation. You can almost see that posture when you talk to somebody who has that kind of mentality, okay? But there's also that type of guy who, when he hears instruction or he even receives correction, he actually leans in a little bit. And you see him open up, and he's receptive to the things that I have to say. He's coachable. He, he asks good questions because he wants to know more, even if it means it's difficult. I see some of you guys leaning back in your chairs right now. I don't know what that means about you, but <laughs> guys, do you want to be wise or do you want to be foolish? I think the answer to that is simple. Jesus makes a pretty clear distinction between these two and what happens. But, but we have to do the hard work now of figuring out how do we actually get into the wise camp. 
And that brings us to our one thing for the day. Now, those of you all that have not been around here long, we, we try to use a one thing every week, and this is what it is. Um, every week that we gather together, there's a lot of things that I'll say that'll just go right past you, all right? But if you were to leave here and you only got this one thing, uh, it would be a successful day, okay? If you took this, you processed it, you put it into practice, and here's the one thing for today. When you listen and lean into Jesus, your life can sustain any storm. When you listen and lean into Jesus, your life can sustain any storm. I want to show you a picture here. Um, Who can tell me what this is? What is this? Very good. Thank you, Kalani. He was right on top of that. That's good. It's the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Now, you all might not know this, but uh, did you realize that the Leaning of Tower of Pisa was not actually designed to lean? Like, that wasn't part of the architectural plans. Like, that wasn't, this is not how it was designed, guys. The, the reason why the Leaning Tower of Pisa leans is because it's in Pisa, all right? And, and, and this is, Pisa literally means marshy. See, this, this tower was built in marshy, muddy land, and the foundation was not good. It was not secure. As a matter of fact, this 186-foot uh, tower um, only has about a 10-foot foundation in marshy land. It is not a good foundation. And, and architects who have studied this particular building uh, say that it, 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 on average, moves about one-twentieth of an inch away from plumb line every year. In other words, it, it continues to lean away from being straight. And you know what happens if it continues to lean? It falls, right? It collapses. Scientists have actually said that in seven years, this tower would collapse. Nothing is done about it, okay? That is the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I imagine this when I think of this concept of building something on a firm foundation because foundations are pivotal. Foundations are pivotal. Now, um, when I used to listen to the story that Jesus told about those two guys, I would have this picture in my mind, and this picture helped me make sense of this, but I'm not sure if it's the right picture. And This is the picture I'd get. I'd get a picture of the foolish guy on some beach somewhere because it's sand, right? And, and he was building his house on the edge of the waves, and, and of course, to me, this made sense. It's like, that's stupid. As soon as the water comes up, it's going to erode away and the house is going to fall, right? So I, that, that made sense to me. Uh, and, in, and the other side of this, what I would imagine is that uh, there was a, a wise guy who found like an exposed rock cliff, you know, maybe a, away from the beach, and he actually anchors his house to that rock. And I'm thinking, okay, that's smart. Uh, that, that makes sense to me. Um, but as I read Luke's account of this particular story, Matthew was given the account we've been looking at here. There's actually four gospel accounts of the life of Jesus. Luke records this same kind of story, and he shares some details that actually cause me to think differently about this story. And this is what he says in, in Luke 6:48. He says, the wise man is, is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Okay, I don't know if you catch this or not, the distinction between the, the two imageries, okay? See, it's, it's not necessarily one guy building down by the ocean, another guy building up on an exposed rock. The imagery that Luke gives here in his account is that these guys are actually building in the same neighborhood. They're building on the same foundation, but one guy kind of builds on what is already there, what already exists, the sandy soil. And the wise guy, he actually does the difficult, hard, costly work of actually digging beneath the surface and finding that rock bed down below to be able to anchor his house to. Do you see how that changes the story a little bit? At least it changes the imagery for me. 
But here's the deal. Most of us, most of us are probably building on the surface of the foundation that we've already laid. And we've probably not done the, the hard work of actually digging beneath the surface, the costly, timely, effort-driven work to get down to the foundation of what Jesus says our lives should actually look like. And eventually, if we're building on that top surface, we're going to look like a leaning tower of Pisa. We'll get lopsided and maybe even collapse. Okay. Now, um, here, here at Trace... Um, one of the things that Aaron and I have, have kind of come up with is, um, is a picture of what a foundation for a follower of Jesus could actually look like. And, and, and what we've, we've called this is foundational coaching. Now, understand that Jesus speaks um, to a lot of different things outside of these four things I'm going to share with you. But I'm going to share these four things with you that make up a foundation. They're building blocks for a foundation, if you will, because um, what we have noticed in our time that we pastor is that these are the areas that have the most potential for our lives to actually withstand the storm. Uh, They also are the areas in which we have seen people have faulty foundations and their lives completely crumble around these four things. And, And here they are, building blocks for a foundation, faith, family, finances, and friends. Faith, family, finances, and friends. Again, there are other ones, but those are four that we say, you know what? We need to address each one of these areas to build a firm foundation on, to figure out what Jesus has actually said about these things, and then put those into practice so that we have a firm foundation to withhold and withstand the storms. Now, here's the deal. I'm not going to go through each one of these things in exhaustion because this is not a coaching session here today, okay? But if you come back in the next couple weeks, Aaron's going to be talking about several of these things. And so come back and join us. We believe that growing people gather. It's one of our vision values. So if you are a growing person, you're a person who's wanting to get information and apply it to your life to gain wisdom, then show back up over the next couple weeks and you'll hear about more of these things. Now, when you listen and you lean into Jesus... You develop a foundation that your life can rest on so that it can stand and sustain any storm. Now, it's one thing to have a good foundation. It's a completely different thing to know what you're actually building on that foundation. Now, a foundation is important, but it's only important for things to be built on, right? Okay? Um, I, th- I think of building. Uh, my, my kids, they, they actually uh, really enjoy Legos. And they like Legos. They get a Lego table upstairs and they can build some stuff. And, uh, and every once in a while, uh, my kids will, will spend this time and they'll build their, their structure and they'll bring it to me and they'll say, Dad, uh, look what I built. And um, because I, I have to, I, I say, Sweetie, what, what is it? You know? and, they, and, and they sometimes will look back and they'll be like, It's, it's a dragon, Dad. You know? And to which my response is to knock it out of their hand and tell them, come back whenever it actually looks more like a dragon. That's what I tell them. I, I don't do that. I don't do that. Okay. Um, so sometimes they give me a specific thing of what it was supposed to be. But more often than not, they'll come, they'll come to me, look at what I built, Dad. And I'm like, what is it? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it, it, what will happen is they use their creative minds to construct this thing because they had it in them to construct something, but they had no vision or plan of what that thing was actually supposed to be or supposed to look like. And unfortunately, I think when it comes to our lives, I think oftentimes we have great creativity and, and lack a plan. It's not necessarily a lack of effort, but, but we, we lack plan. We, we lack vision. We lack dreaming. Because we, and we end up at, no, I don't know. That's what we end up with in our lives. If I was to ask you today, What is it you want your family to look like? 
Your response might be, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of doing the best that I know how. Like, I, I know I don't want my family to look like the family that I had growing up. Like, I know I don't want it to look like, but I, I'm not sure if I know what I want. I, so I'm just kind of doing the very best that I can. Are you satisfied with where you are? Do you know where you're going? If I was to ask you, you know, what do you want your, your life to look like financially? Well, my, my financial planner tells me, no, I, I don't care what your financial planner tells you. I want to know what, what do you want to look like in regards to your finances? What, what does Jesus actually tell us that you can look like in that regard? What do you want your life to look like in terms of your friendships? Some of you guys are like, I just want a friend, man. I just want one. I just want one. Dream bigger, all right? Dream a little bigger. Jesus has a lot to say about friendships and the value of community and accountability and iron sharpening. Guys, it's important. This is an important foundation for us. What, 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 it, what do you want your life to look like in terms of your faith? You, you show up every week because you think that it's the right thing to do. I'm listening to these messages and these stories and I read my Bible because I'm supposed to and I'm putting brick on brick and block on block, but I don't know where I'm going. You see, if you're building anything of significance, anything of importance, it actually requires a great deal of preparation on the front end. It, it requires an architectural plan, which comes at cost, it comes at time, it comes at, at, at effort. And, and I understand something about architectural plans. Uh, for those of you all that don't know, we're, we're still in the process. We're really, really close, but um, we, we, we're looking into a new facility, and we've been, we've been drawing up some of these designs and architectural plans, and, and it takes time, but it's so necessary because otherwise we don't know what we're actually trying to build over there, this facility. You have to know where you're going in order to get there. At least you have to have a vision of it. I, even, even something as simple as this, this picture here. Take a look. So this right here, a, a Lego set, right? Like this thing comes with instructions and it comes with a vision of what it's actually supposed to look like. And I have a feeling that a lot of us, we, we have all the pieces to the puzzle. We have all the blocks left on the table. But somehow as we start to put block on block, we, we end up far from what that picture looks like. We, we end up creating the USS Enterprise or Millennium, well, that's the Millennium, I don't know, it's Star Trek, Star Wars stuff. All right, so that's the Millennium. We don't end up with Star Wars, all right? We end up on some other track because we didn't do the hard work of asking the tough questions and digging deep to find out what Jesus actually wanted to build in our lives in the first place. What he wanted our family and our friends and our finances and our faith to look like. You know, I was fortunate enough um, early on in, in my ministry to have a friend of mine and a mentor of mine walk me through some of these things. And, and, and what he did was, I mean, this was an intense program. We sat down and we had conversations about what it would actually look like to build my life in a way that God would, would, would have me do this. And, and so uh, what, what he did with me, if you came to me, I would do with you. And, and this is what I would do. I'd ask you, I'd ask you to remove yourself from the you that is now. Step out of yourself and come over here to you in five years, ten years, and look at and observe your life. And then I would ask you, I'd ask you to think, what is it that you want to actually look like in this moment? Because that description will then allow you to put together the action plans in order to help get to where it is that God wants you to be and where you want to be in each of these areas. But most of us, we live in the now and we just do the very best we can, and we put block on block, and we end up leaning 
away from what it is that God designed us to do. I want to take one of these areas and expound upon it a little bit, just for your own benefit. Um, I'm going to take a look at this this faith building, uh, sorry, the family building block, just for a moment. One of the things that came out of the exercise of digging down deep and asking the hard questions and having somebody to do that with, uh, for, for me, was kind of a, a, a vision values of my family. There's actually a, there's a picture of this. and uh, This is something that I ended up doing with, with my kids, and we wrote it on the thing and made it kind of creative. This hangs in our living room, and it's, it's something that oftentimes I'll repeat, repeat to the kids, especially when they're out of line with what it is, okay? And so this, this is what it was. In this house, we give big hugs. We are grateful. We forgive. We are real. We tell the truth. We show respect. We laugh, we are family. Now, that may be of no significance at all to you, but it's of great significance to me. Because you know where these things came from for me? They came out of a a hard conversation with with the great architect, his name is Jesus, about what he wants my family to look like and what values he wants them to hang on. Now, this didn't come from a store. You can get these at the store if you'd like, all right? But, but have you done the hard work of actually asking the Lord what it is that your family can and should and look like, what you want it to look like? And, and that, was a, that was just a piece of, of what my family vision is. And I'm going to share this family vision with you for a couple reasons, and I'll explain it to you in just a moment. But this is, this is my family vision. This is me looking at me, all right, in the future of what it is that I want to be. And this is what it says. My family is Christ-centered. I lead my family spiritually. Honest and truthful communication is our language, and mutual submission to one another is a common practice. I always honor, love, and respect my wife, and I build up her spirit. My children follow my example and walk with Jesus daily. We constantly seek to bless others with the resources that God has blessed us with, and our home is a refuge for the hurting and a beacon for the lost. I share that with you for two reasons. The first reason is this. I want to give you an example of what a vision statement could look like in case you want to do the hard work of being able to figure out these foundational building blocks in your own life. But the second reason why I share this with you is out of confession. If I'm being honest with you, that's the first time that I've looked at the plan of my life in quite a while as I'm preparing this message. It's been a while since I've looked and seen what it was that God had called me to and what he wants me to be. And if I'm being even honest, even more honest with you, this is still a futuristic thing. This does not describe my life right now. It does not describe my family right now. In some of these areas, I'm falling woefully short, incredibly short. But there's still benefit to this. You know why? Because the fact that I can tell you that I'm off course tells you that I actually have a plan for what I want to be in the first place. And it, it doesn't let me get to the end of my life and go, well, I hate where I ended up. It allows me to go, this is not where I want to be. I'm, I'm leaning away from, from the very thing that, that God called me to be and invited me to be and that I want to be. And guys, I, I'm not there yet. I'm off course in many stretches of the imagination. But having a plan is necessary because when you listen to Jesus and you lean into him, your life with the proper foundation and the proper plan can sustain any storm. That's right. There are storms in life. Don't forget that. That's one of the big players in the story that Jesus tells. 
It's, it's where things actually start to come apart in the difference between the wise and the foolish. As a matter of fact, Tony Evans says it this way. The, the only time you would discover that there is a difference between these two men and the lives, homes, or ministries they erected was during the storm. Only, st- only a storm reveals the nature of your foundation. As long as the sun is shining, you won't think about what you're building on. And you may not care about what you're building on. But the storm has a way of letting you know what kind of foundation you're resting on. Can I, can I be uh, vulnerable with you guys today? See, at Trace, one of the things that we value is transparency. Because uh, if you don't know it, our lives, the guys that get up here on stage and talk, are just as messed up as yours. This is a safe place for you to come and share your crap. It's okay. But in order for that to happen, it has to happen here first. And I just got to tell you, not, not only have I drifted away from the plan that, that God has set me on, but this past week, man, we have endured a storm in our home. Some of you guys that know some of our story know that, uh, that our family deals with a storm of mental illness. And along with that comes uh, devastation and destruction, um, depression, pride, anger, disappointment, bitterness. All of those things kind of surfaced in our home this past week. And, and as the storm came, I, I just got to be honest with you, uh, my wife and I, uh, we didn't like each other much this past week. Have you ever been there? We didn't like each other very much, and that, that affects the rest of our family. It, it pushes off, uh, off course. It puts everything else aside. It, it causes things to be in chaos. And I, I guarantee some of the things that we had built as a family this past week, some of those things that we've built, is, it, it, we've had some damage. But I also know that through that storm, it reveals your foundation. And I can tell you this, we're standing here today, even if we're crippled a little bit, because of the foundation we set in the words of Jesus, the things that he spoke. You see, a long time ago, we decided a part of our foundation, no matter whether or not we liked each other that week or not, is that we would love each other regardless. And that's something that we have to often say to one another. I love you regardless. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. This is unresolved. This is not where I want to be. I don't want this to happen again, but I love you regardless because we choose to take the words of Jesus and put them into practice above our feelings or what the rest of the world would tell us that we should do. Our foundation was set. Our plan was established. And when the storms come, we have the ability to sustain them. Because when you listen and lean into Jesus, your life can sustain any storm. And I can tell you this about storms. You're all going to have them. You're either coming out of one, you're in the midst of one, or, or one's coming right around the corner for you. And your storm may look drastically different than the storms that we deal with in our household and in our life and in our faith. But a storm is coming. And so I have to ask you this. Is your life that you're building right now able to sustain the storm that's coming? The storm that you're in right now. The storm that just left. Are you going to be able to pick up your pieces and find the foundation? And if not, guys, your life is worth a rebuild. And it's painful. And it's costly. And it takes effort. And you probably can't do it alone. 
but don't build on the foundation that is already laid. Dig down beneath the sand. Find the rock of the things that Jesus has said. Put those into practice and then erect your life from that so that you will be able to sustain all the storms that come your way. And Jesus tells us this. He says uh, that we won't be able to weather the storms. He makes it plain and simple. He says you won't be able to weather the storms of this life if you don't lean into the things that he says. If you're not leaning into Jesus, you're ultimately leaning into collapse. That's basically what he tells us. And I think that's why James reiterates this. As he writes, James 1, he says, Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. No, do what it says. Put it into action. Be a person of wisdom, not a foolish guy that hears it and does nothing with it. Guys, it does you absolutely no good to show up here on a Sunday morning. And hear the things that, that Jesus is challenging you with from his word. Or hear the things that, that I or others are communicating to you. And to go home and not do anything about them. We, we need to put them into practice. But the reality is this. That Jesus, Jesus himself, not just the things that he said. He's actually the, he's the crux of our, of our construction. He's the very centerpiece of our foundation. Not just the words that he said. It, it, it speaks of Jesus and, and other building illustrations throughout Scripture as being the chief cornerstone. And what that means is that everything else is laid and held together by Jesus. Everything that needs to be rebuilt in your life starts and rests and builds on him. It starts with Jesus. And so I don't know where you're at with Jesus today. But you heard some of his words. Now you have an opportunity to figure out if you're going to be in the wise camp or the foolish camp. To testament the things that he says. To be able to put them into practice in the ways that he sees fit. And so what we're going to do is we're going to enter into a time of response. This is something that we do every week. I'm going to invite the band. You guys come on back up here to the stage. Every week we've built into this gathering uh, a time of response because we realize that we don't want you just to come and soak things in. We want you to, to actually do something about them. And so, so this response time gives you an opportunity to not only hear the things, but then be able to figure out what am I going to do with them. And, and a couple of very appropriate things that we offer every week is we've, we've got some communion stations up front. And we have an opportunity to respond to our Lord and Savior and say, thank you. I acknowledge what you did for me on the cross. Your death, burial, and resurrection gives me an opportunity to actually erect something from my life of meaning and significance. Thank you for that. And so you can take communion up here at these stations. We also have some containers up here for offering. You have an opportunity to put Jesus at his word in regard to the things he tells us to do with our tithes and to become more and more generous and to, to support the work of his local church here. You have an opportunity to respond in that way. We've got some containers up here. In addition to that, we've got some, some prayer stations in the back. And, and you may need to listen to what Jesus has spoken to us about the importance of prayer and being able to offload some of our burdens because the things that you're carrying right now are too big for you to even start digging a hole and to find the rock, to set your foundation. You need other people to help carry that burden. You might need to share some requests, but I guarantee that the things that you write down on those unmanned tables and you put in those containers, we pray over every week on your behalf. You may need to just sit down for a moment and listen to the words of this next song and soak in the lyrics. And I, I'm going to read these lyrics to you, not the whole thing, but just a, just a few because it's an incredibly appropriate song for what we just talked about today. And this is, this is the song. It's called Cornerstone. 
The words are, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He's the cornerstone. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Christ alone, cornerstone. Weak made strong in our Savior's love. Through the storm, even through the storm, in the midst of the storm, He is Lord, Lord of all. I don't know about you, but I needed to be reminded of that this week. When we listen and lean in to Jesus, then our lives can sustain any storm. These guys are gonna play the song here in just a minute, and I'll invite you guys to move. I'll pray, and that'll kind of enact all that, but have you, have you ever... Have you ever wondered why the Leaning Tower of Pisa has not fallen yet? Seven years is what the architects say it should fall. You see, in the early 90s, people figured out that this thing is not going to stay like it is forever. And these people got together and they, they assessed the damage and they realized that it was worth the cost and the effort to go back and, and repair the foundations of this building so that it will stand. Guys, don't just build your lives on what you've already established. It is hard, it is costly, it is difficult, but it is worth rebuilding on the foundation, on the words, the work, and the very person of Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for this message that if nobody heard this week, I needed to hear. I know sometimes you orchestrate these things. But Lord, I, I, need it to, I need it to be reminded of, of where I'm going because I feel like I got turned around in this hurricane this past week. And I know that I'm not the only one. I know that there are people that are here, maybe listening to this online, that are just as turned around, just as confused, just as disappointed with the, with the thing that they have constructed because it's not what they want it to be. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak into each of our lives. Give us initiative. Make us people of action. Not to just sit by and, and at the end of life just be satisfied with what we came up with. But, Father, to be intentional. To figure out what it is that you say about these areas that are so important to us in building our life plan. We pray that you would direct our steps. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.